0: And welcome to the Business Podcast from the offices of The National in Abu Dhabi. I'm Andy Scott and today I'm joined by Sean Cronin, Deputy Editor of the Business Section, and Mahmoud Kassem, who's the banking correspondent here at The National, because this week we heard of a possible merger between The National Bank of Abu Dhabi and First Gulf Bank. This sends shares rocketing on the ADX, Uh, 7% I believe they went up and that's the biggest jump in almost two years. So Mahmud, can you give us an
1: idea why these two banks may be coming together? Well Andy, you're certainly right that there's been a lot of excitement this week in in Abu Dhabi and the the banking sector has been uh, somewhat sleepy for uh, the last decade or so unlike Dubai where there has been uh, some mergers um, including the one that created uh, Emirates NBD. Um, now, the reason they're doing this, uh, um, Andy, is that uh, banks have been coming under a lot of strain in, in, in recent months and in fact years as the price of oil plummets, uh, sending shockwaves through the economy. So it's a pretty good idea to get two big banks uh, and merge them into one and to create a, a, a powerhouse um, that will um, hopefully uh, become more profitable um, than uh, than they are now as separate entities. But at the moment, it's just talks, is it not? um, The fact is that, as you
0: say, that the banking sector has been under pressure. I know there's been layoffs um, uh, in First Gulf Bank, and I know there was a drop in profits from NBAD. So is this merger being forced upon them? Because they're both government
1: entities as well. So is it being forced upon them? Will we definitely see this happen? Well, Andy, um, a good journalist, of course, never speculates. So um, we have to keep an open uh, mind as to whether it will happen and to why it's happening. But we can say that both banks are uh, controlled by the government. So unlike... um, other banks where uh, sh- the sh- main shareholder may not necessarily be the government, it would be easier to merge these two banks that are, are fairly equal strengths together. Sean, what do you think about it? I mean, I know uh,
0: you've been around uh, the Gulf for quite a while now. You were here when uh, Emirates NBD came into fruition. That definitely claimed the biggest bank status in the UAE. Now, with this new merger, we would see a bigger animal in the jungle. So what do you think it holds for the going forward? That's right. As Mahmood mentioned there, I suppose 2007
2: was was quite a big year for... Mergers of this type. We had Emirates Bank and National Bank of Dubai um, combining in that year, and obviously outside of the banking sector as well, we had we had several other big deals, Sabic and GE um, among others. But I think what's interesting about this is, um, you know, it's not just a UAE story in that we have a lot of banks here. Mahmoud will know more than me, but probably around fifty banks. Um, you know, tending to what is a comparatively small um, country. And we're seeing a a similar situation elsewhere in the region where we have a lot of banks servicing a population that perhaps doesn't warrant that number of financial institutions. Um, And certainly, you know, when you look, for example, at what's going on in Saudi Arabia at the moment – You have uh, economies, big economies like that taking stock and wondering, you know, not just within banking, but in other sectors and industries as well, you know, whether uh, this is an opportune time to look at um, combining, look at where cost savings can be made, where synergies is the word uh, a lot of these uh, organizations like to use can be achieved. So I think we're seeing a lot of that
0: just within the banking sector and also in other sectors as well. Well, that's what I was trying to tease out of my mood. I might try and uh, do it a little bit more by the fact that, uh, as you say, it, it's, it's arguable that we are overbanked here. With I think there's more than 50 uh, banks for servicing a population of about 9 million people. I, I think there's a certain degree of vanity banking going on with... Uh, uh, no direct need for this amount of banks. So uh, with a bigger beast coming into the marketplace, surely that we must see the smaller players realizing that their time may be better coming together rather than staying apart.
1: Well, Andy, what you say is correct. And, 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 and as, as Sean was saying, it's a very competitive uh, market for banking here with over 50 banking uh, banks and, and financial institutions. So yes, it does make sense to see um, a lot of these banks combine. But what 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 you have to note about the talk talks merger talks between National Bank of Abu Dhabi and First Gulf Bank is that these are two of the biggest banks in Abu Dhabi. It's not a big bank swallowing up a a a, 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 a smaller bank. Um, so when it comes to all the other banks uh we may have uh, uh, different kinds of problems if um they they sought to combine or merge with other banks because the sh- the shareholding structures are um substantially different from from the big state owned banks for instance in dubai you have small banks like commercial bank international which is majority owned by 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 qatar national bank and and lots of other smaller banks that are family owned like mashreq bank so when you start talking about merging the smaller banks with each other, I think it's going to become much more difficult than than merging two big banks like National Bank of Abu Dhabi and First Gulf Bank. Um, However, and uh,
0: it was uh, what Sean just mentioned is the synergies. These two banks would sit
1: very easily together, would they not? That that's right, Andy. Um, now, w- one of the the, the rationales. That many people have been talking about in terms of this, if this possible merger, is that um, National Bank of Abu Dhabi uh, is, a, is a big corporate lender, especially to government entities, while First Gulf Bank is a, is a very big uh, lender to, to individuals. But 40% of FGB's loan book is comprised of, of loans to individuals, while, while that percentage at National Bank of Abu Dhabi is a mere 17 percent so there is there is some justification in bringing in, in combining a bank like national abu, ba, national bank of abu dhabi that has a big uh corporate loan book with a big bank like first Gulf bank that has a big retail um uh book now in 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 the years in the past couple of years, National Bank of Abu Dhabi has been trying to to build um, its, its its retail book, as they call it, uh, a bit. But uh, such a merger, I think, would have a, a lot of cost savings, as as Sean alluded to, and, and make their life easier.
0: Okay, Mahmood. Well, thanks for that. Um, okay. Well, uh, one story we're talking today is merger. Another one is a possible demerger. It's Brexit day. That's the day when the referendum in the UK. On whether we will stay in the European Union is going on. Sean, do you think that's going to have a any impact in the UAE, whichever way we vote? I think it will. I have to say, I've been looking
2: forward to this probably as much as the season finale of the latest uh, the latest Game of Thrones, as I think has everybody, particularly people with uh, with a link in into Europe and the UK. Um, taking a quick peek at the markets before uh, I came in here at the moment uh, and I should say we're obviously uh, we're Thursday afternoon here while voting is going on in the UK all the markets receive green in Europe Um, so despite the polls suggesting a dead heat the markets uh, as I said completely green I'm not sure is that in celebration the republic's win over Italy last night Um, but There's there's clearly a belief uh, within the markets and also reflecting uh, what's happening with the pound in recent days that strengthened. I think today the pound is at uh, possibly an all time or rather a year, a high for this year uh, versus the dollar. Um, so that's interesting, and clearly uh, for us over here, who may be paid in dirhams, which are linked to the dollar, we may be remitting some of that money home to the eurozone or indeed to the UK. The outcome of this vote is is key. Uh, some of us own property in Europe, um, and so there are you know there are many ways that the outcome of this vote will touch our lives here. I guess not only us, but industries here and businesses will also will also be impacted in one way or another.
0: I mean, the, the, I, I find it amazing that um, I'm, I think that the last referendum that was held in the UK was uh, in the 1970s, and now it's like buses. We've got two in the last six months, uh, and it seems, though, um, the UK government are more and more devolving the power to say, do you want this? Do we need this? And it's possibly asking a question which is far deeper than just, "Do you do you want to be part of Europe? Because the 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 tangled web that is part of that our membership of the eu is means that we it's very hard to decide whether it's good for you or bad for you it's almost an emotional response rather than, um, a, rather than a thought out response i think you've
2: hit on a good point there and perhaps that's reflected in the large proportion of don't knows i mean we we're, we're told that people will literally be going into the ballot box today without knowing which way they're going to vote um and i think Perhaps part of this story that's been overlooked is that it isn't whether you're, uh, you know, whether you're for leave or for remain. All of this is politics. We all have our own selfish interests, whether it's your, you know, JCB exporting, uh, you know, exporting diggers and you want to export them at a, a a cheaper cost or whether you're like us, your expats over here and you want to look at how this is going to affect your exchange rate. This is all. Um, this is all very local. If you're living on the south coast, uh, immigration uh, is uh, an issue for you. You know that's that's possibly going to motivate the way you're going to vote. And this is why I think the electorate and all of us have found it difficult to get our arms around. You know whether this really is uh, a plus
0: or you know a positive or a negative for the UK economy. I think it also. It's it's almost mirroring what's going on in the United States with the campaign from Donald Trump. This uh, patriotic fervor, being uh, stoked to close borders, to be a sovereign nation, look at yourself, don't look at others, which I don't think is a healthy sentiment at any time, Um, and oftentimes can then lead to far greater um, division Later on, uh, this, that's why I said it, it's an emotional response to this question. And I'm not sure that a population of uh, 70 million plus in the UK are, na- are necessarily, uh, should I say, um, are, are intelligent enough to understand the huge repercussions. As you just said, some people have a a, a natural, um, or sorry, a very vested interest in their their own uh, economic well-being. That's just fair enough. If you think your house is going to rise in price, great. If you think your house is going to fall, fair enough. Then vote whichever way you will. If you think your jobs under pressure, then you have to think of yourself. But this is has an impact which will reverberate for generations, and that I think has been missed. Uh, in a lot of the rhetoric. Absolutely.
2: And, you know, to your first point, talking about what's happening in the US, I spoke to um, Stefan um, Shakespeare earlier on in the, in the week, uh, the CEO and founder of YouGov, one of the main polling companies, who once this is done will turn his attentions to the US and look look at look at the way the presidential race is, is going to end up there. He did make the point that there were lots of... Um, Similarities, um, and as you say, particularly in the emotional buttons that are being pressed on both sides of the Atlantic, and, and this sense that, uh, you know, perhaps we have uh people voting against or in opposition to the establishment or what they perceive to be the establishment, uh, and you could, you know, you could see that certainly in some of the issues that are being raised, um uh you know in 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 the in the brexit campaign in in the leave campaign in particular in the, in the uk and certainly also uh, in the us as well so there definitely are similarities uh, there there definitely are similarities there and uh, and again going back to the point of um w- whether this uh, w- whether voters will be will be looking at the greater good or being motivated by more, by more personal factors um i think it's very very difficult because it's unprecedented we're talking about 43 years of EU membership here i think even for uh, the so called financial experts um it's very difficult to see how this will play out either way we're in very very uncharted waters here um so um i think uh, you know a lot a lot will uh, you know depend on um obviously either way depending on on how this on how this goes um it's not so we can we can make very short-term predictions on what might happen to the pound, for example, what what might happen to equity markets, what might happen to interest rates and to borrowing costs. But when you look further beyond that, and you know look look to the horizon somewhat further, I think it's very very difficult to predict the the long-term impact impact on the
0: economy. Right. Well, I think on that level of uh, nebulous and vagueness, uh, which is is, is I think has been a a, a sort of stamp on this campaign. Um, We'll have to leave it there. Whether you're an innie or an outie, have a good week and tune in next week.